hello, imposter syndrome. Yeah. And it would come up, like it would hit me at the worst times. Like I would be talking about something where, and I'm doing air quotes here, I'm the expert in youth mental illness and substance misuse. Mm -hmm. And I would have a killer presentation where it would reflect or be, and again, air quotes, representative of an expert or this academic in this field. Yeah. And then it would come to question period and I would just freeze or I'd be like blubbering in, in my in my responses. Welcome to Do You Even Science, a podcast where we discuss what's happening in Canadian science and policy and everything in between. We're your hosts. I'm Simon Landry and I have with me Dina Hansa. So, uh, Dina, I noticed that uh, we've we've had a few challenges. Just a few. Uh, just a just few. Just a few. When we record new episodes of uh, of DY, oh, DYES, Do Even Science, dies. Still not sure what the best uh, acronym <laughs> is. Um, and and by we, I... Uh, yeah, I know I mean, what you mean. I mean, you know, I, I know you mean me. <laughs> it's, it's all me. <laughs> and... and uh, so I've heard you say this a few times that you can't uh, be smart all the time. What What's that all about? Okay, but Simon, before we go into why I use that phrase or how that came about, I mean, do you remember that one time you couldn't get your recording equipment to work and you couldn't get Skype to work? Do you remember that? Uh, I Was it was it two weeks ago? Is that? I think it was two it was? weeks ago. It was, eh? Yes. Do you remember do. my reaction? No, I don't. I must have blocked it out. Oh. <laughs> I was really happy. Like, it was oh. the one time that it wasn't me. Like, I, I, so for our listeners, we don't have the usual challenges of, you know, the, the usual things that happen when you're recording a podcast because Simon and I are in two different cities. So it's really amplified. So usually I am, um, the source of the challenges, but this one time, Simon, who's I, Simon, I think you're pretty pretty advanced technologically. Like that's that's how I perceive you. So this okay. was, I felt like this was a win. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't remember what it was, but oh really? Was, no, I, I actually don't. That's the thing. Like I I really I you know what, Dina? I focus on my successes, not my failures. Oh wow! So wow. That's, that's that's great. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, so let's focus on the success of today's episode and uh, point the finger at you. And, <laughs> and I'm, you I'm okay by. with that. I'm okay with that. And you know what, Simon? I think you should actually release our audio of our very first fight. Yes. Because it I, was related to, it was when we were interviewing Matt McGraw from BBC. Science. Yeah, science, science journalist, journalist from, slash superstar. Yeah, from BBC and your voice. I, I mean, you were yeah. you were upset. I I was so upset, and like, it's it's this thing where they say like never let anybody see you sweat. Yeah. And I was just I was both sweating so hard <laughs> and trying to control it, and I guess like when you have both those things, it just doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I you know work. and I felt so bad because of course I'm in Edmonton so I'm not with you and Matt McGraw 
And I'm yeah. I'm sweating bullets too, but I mean, uh, you're there in person, and that's much that was that was a, a greater challenge. But you handled like, it well. You yeah, were mad at me, you. but I mean, you you did handle I, it well. I was so unimpressed. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's like you know that he's so he's like a a science journalist. He's been doing it for for years, um, and you know that he's been in tough situations. Yeah, yeah. And I just didn't want to seem like a loser. Well, well, and you don't want to seem so amateur that, like... Yeah, yeah. But I wonder what that's tied to, Simon. And again, we can't be smart all the time. Mm, that's true, is it that's Is it true. tied to that, perhaps? It it might be. It might be. Um, so, yeah, could, what's the... is? Would you say, Dina, that um, I can't be smart all the time is your catchphrase? It is now. And I think it's, like, this <laughs> phrase that I've developed as... It's like self-preservation. Uh-huh. And I've only recently started using this phrase. Um, I think I've had mentors and colleagues during my PhD, and even more so now as a fellow, like in fellowship positions, uh-huh. that if, for example, I didn't make the right decision or a decision that they approved of or I didn't know how to do something um, or I reacted to a situation that again, their perception was, like, not very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, that they would, you know, their response is, like, you should be smart. Like, you you know this. You have a PhD. Mm-hmm. You should be able to do A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And I think I internalized that a lot, and, and I was highly critical of myself. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was like, okay, something's wrong with me. I have a PhD. I should be able to figure this out. I should be able to be to take my skills from my PhD and just like it automatically transfers to everything yeah. and anything in life. You know, I've been, I've been thinking about this a, a fair bit because I'm, I'm slowly leaving academia. Well, I don't know about leaving, but I'm not uh, what would be considered an academic right. anymore. Yeah. And so the idea that I worked, I, I worked for five years and now I have the title doctor, I think is really strange because I know a ton well everybody I know basically has worked for five years and they're experts in their fields and they know as much about what they're doing as I do about science but they don't get a title and I think there's I I don't really know what to make of that that academics have that kind of privilege I guess of working hard for five years yeah and we have three letters at the end of our name and we can call ourselves doctor yeah and there's there's kind of a weight that comes with that. It's sort of an, a, maybe a false authority. Well, I think it's like, and maybe this ties into what you're saying, but it's maybe it is this false authority or that you've developed expertise in an area and you're an academic and therefore all of your um, interactions or all of your responses or your behaviors are judged as being academic enough or are you Mm. are you representative of a person who holds a phd or who holds a doctorate and yeah like what is that what so i have a friend who who works in hr and he's really good at human resource stuff yeah but he i don't know like i i guess it creates a sort of plateau of like once you achieve this level in academia it's like you've now you're a doctor now you're this different status 
I, it seems like he would just be an expert, but it's this, yeah, but it's this yeah. idea of, do you think maybe it's that it's not fully understood that we are, and I feel uncomfortable using the word expert and I've been referred mm. to as an expert. So when I'm an invited speaker or if I'm doing some sort of media event, it's like Dr. Dina Hamza, the expert in youth mm-hmm. mental health and substance misuse, you know, like, so, and, and I, on the one hand, it's really exciting to be like, wow, I'm being mm-hmm. recognized as this expert. But on the other hand, I'm like, am I really an expert? Yeah. And what am I an expert in? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I so I feel the same way, only I don't have uh, applicable expertise. My my expertise is very much in the scientific method. And OK, and under, OK, you know, yeah, so like. That's the way I see my my level of expertise is. But can you elaborate I, it, on that, Simon? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, you're you're an expert yeah. in like. Okay, so can I tell you how I've interpreted that? Yes. So, for example, I'm a mixed methodologist. So okay. I could say w- that. Okay. So, what is what is that? So I'm not just a not just that that came out wrong. <laughs> so I'm a researcher that is trained in both qualitative and quantitative research and the integration of the two. Okay, so... So to me, in my mind, that's what you're talking about, like scientific method. Okay, so I'm going to stop you for a second. I know that my parents listen to this, and I'm not sure that my parents would know the difference between... I'm not bragging, uh, but two of our listeners are my parents. Um, (laughs) And so... I don't know that they would necessarily know the difference between uh, qualitative and quantitative. And honestly, I'm not. I need to think about it every time. Okay, that so I hear so those like words. really so, simply, quantitative mm-hmm. is like this objective, um, objective measures, and they're generally numerical. Okay, so right, so that's for quantitative. So it's like a um, a measure. Mm-hmm. So X number of millimeters is right. is would be a quantitative value or the mm-hmm. change in like a, if I, in, in my case, if I'm screening for risk behaviors and there's a score, it's mm-hmm. like the change in score. That would be yeah. a quantitative value. Qualitative, Something that has a quantity. Is yes. How I yeah. And it's objective. Yeah. It's generally objective and mm-hmm. um, not always the case, but you know, that's a generalization and qualitative mm-hmm. is more the subjective experience. So when I would go out and interview people about their perceptions or experiences um, while having a substance use disorder and then Mm -hmm. going through and making sense of the narrative, that would be the qualitative component. So as a mixed methodologist, as I take the subjective and the objective and I integrate them together to come up with like a general picture. So it's kind of this holistic approach to research. Do you think that mix sort of when you mix those two things, I guess it requires a certain level of subjectivity. Like your perspective really comes into how those things it's are in mixed, the interpretation. Right? Yeah. I think yeah. it's the way that you interpret it, but, and it depends on what's guiding what. So for example, mm-hmm. you could have qualitative research, which then informs your quantitative research. Generally, I, my approach is that it's quantitative research, which then is better understood once I've collected the qualitative research. It helps me understand, for example, these scores on substance use scales. 
So, so knowing a person's story will help you understand right. the numbers. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That, so, so when you're saying scientific yeah. method, that you're an right. expert in scientific, scientific method, is that what you mean? I, so I, I haven't done any quali- quanti- qualitative yeah. stuff. It's all been quantitative. Interesting. Actually, um, actually, can we just segue for a second here? Yes. Yes. So I find this really interesting that you haven't done any qualitative and last episode, you know, regrets. I've had a few. Yes. And you were talking about how you had some challenges engaging with the end user and really the qualitative mm-hmm. component mm-hmm. puts you down on the ground with the end user. Now, I, I yeah. Have Sorry. you, have you, uh, you know, done anything oh, in regards oh no. to our oh no. plan? We have yeah. a plan, Simon, but we actually need to put it into action. So have you, you know, have you looked at your list of participants? Have you reflected on how you essentially used your participants? <laughs> um, I, I certainly, I've done a lot of, of uh, reflection on, on how I use them. Um, like haunting reflection? Because you, yeah. you had mentioned that, that you feel haunted yeah. by this. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so last week I did share my regrets of not sending um, updates to the participants who gave me their their email addresses and were very excited to hear about what what was going to come out of the re- the results. Well, and they had um, given you their time uh, because their, their time. right because mm-hmm, that's an investment mm-hmm, and they were mm-hmm, invested in what you were mm-hmm. what you were looking into. And I'm not and I'm not <laughs> you know Simon like. I think as researchers, we often forget mm-hmm. about the participants Yeah. once we've gotten what we need for them. And, and I don't know totally. if it's necessarily intentional, but we're constantly chasing something that yeah. perhaps that's overlooked. And that's not a good thing. No, I agree. It's definitely not a good thing. Um, and so to get back to your question, I have not done anything about it. <laughs> I know. I know. Um but what I did do was talk about it with somebody else. Okay. And she shared that she also has a list of past participants, um, and she's never sent them. Any and your your about. list was from six years ago. Was that right? Was it six years? Yeah, yeah, approximately. And how? Like, and how long was this project that your friend had engaged in? How long ago? Was about it? the same. About six years. I'm yeah. just curious to see, you know, how participants would react if you sent an email I, to them. I, yeah, I think they'd be happy to, I don't know, I, I think they'd probably just be happy to, to hear from us. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, I really need to do this. And I'm glad that you're keeping me honest and, and uh, checking, checking up. You know what would be cool, Simon, is if you mm-hmm. sent an email with a one-page lay summary of your findings. Like just, yeah. just put it out there, not mm-hmm. an email saying, if you're interested, I can send this to you. I mean, just send it out. Oh, for sure. For sure. And that's, I have been thinking about it and th- the email will be very much like a, like a newsletter where it's just the text and, and it's going to be a really interesting uh, science communication exercise. Yeah. Um, but but and, would you, would you acknowledge that you had meant to Yes. Get in touch and yes. like, uh, would you apologize or? Um, I would, I would probably own up to not 
sending them any information earlier. Okay. I would thank them for having participated in the the pro- process and projects. Yeah. And also probably, yeah, just like re- recognize that I didn't uh, get in touch with them earlier. And well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I think I need a time frame, Simon. Oh no. Oh no. Um, and and be and be fair with yourself. Like, don't tell okay. me you're going to send it out next week. Okay. Because you have so, to be you have to be um, ready and secure in the process. But I I want a goal, an actual goal. Okay, my birthday is uh, mid July. Okay. And I want to start uh, my new year without that regret. That's a so, great idea. I like yeah. that. So you'll you'll start with a clear conscience. Exactly. Hey exactly. everyone, we're gonna our, our listeners oh, here. No. We're gonna. We need to keep Simon honest. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I also I also like that you you wrote that uh, I I I need to do this in the description of the last episode. It's not like hidden in there that people need to listen to thirty minutes of podcast. No, no, it's, you it's you very need much to there. do this. Yeah. Well, we uh, I think we should get back to uh, yeah. So this idea you, of. Uh, <laughs> not representing someone with a PhD and like, Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, we, we both have PhDs and, and we're different. So what am I supposed to be like? And, and keep in mind these, it's not just from colleagues or mentors that are more senior. I mean, it's even from from colleagues that are like we're in similar stages, we're in you know mm-hmm. similar age. It's almost this idea that you're supposed to be uh, politically correct and non-judgmental and smart in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get. I guess like we're bred. I don't want to say bred, but like we're trained in this world of knowledge therefore we should be so we should reflect our environment and so that is that environment so do you is, mean like we should constantly be critical critically appraising everything that happens in our day like are we so you know it's kind of like this idea if we are and i'm going to relate this to let's say like hollywood and you're you mm-hmm. know an actor and an actress mm-hmm. and being on all the time because perhaps the paparazzi yeah. are are watching you. Yeah. So is that the same idea? Um, like to be on all the time, to be to have your academic brain on all the time. I think so. If we go back to what uh, sort of how I'm an expert in the scientific method, mm-hmm. or how I th- I perceive myself as an expert in the scientific method, and, and what is the I, scientific method? By the way? Yeah, it 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 means like um, to to think of things critically, to form a hypothesis based on observations, uh, to be able to formulate um, a methodology to test that hypothesis, and then to have the, the knowledge to um, analyze the information you, you gathered and then uh, sort of conclude something from it. Okay, Simon, I'm missing something. What's that? Because this almost seems like anyone with a PhD would have to be an expert in scientific method. Yeah. But I thought, oh, like, I, hmm. like, so I, so... Yeah, I see where this In my mind, your 
an expert in helping individuals who are hearing impaired understand how changes in their brain occur once they can uh-huh. hear like if an if an implant is yeah is used like that was my perception yeah i like do you see it I, that way or do you think that phds it doesn't matter what your topic is you're just an expert in scientific method well what what i thought you were going to say is that you can have a phd in economics and you can have a phd in in music and those people aren't necessarily experts the scientific method that's true Good point. Um, yeah. Good point. So I, you know, I don't know what having a PhD means ultimately. I feel like I've just dismantled my, <laughs> my self-understanding here. This is... Uh, Who are we, is, Simon? What have we yeah, done exactly. with our lives? <laughs> <laughs> this is turning to a really heavy episode. Um, yeah, this is no, a safe I, space and, yeah. and we're in this together. I, If people are listening to this, uh, I, I would really like to... Uh, to get some feedback of what what the listeners think having a PhD means, especially if you don't have a PhD, uh, what does from an outsider's perspective what does that mean? Like, yeah, is it just that you you did something that's like pretty hard for a couple of years and yeah. like successfully and and even then like there's there's these shocking numbers of or the the percentage of people who don't finish a PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty high, I think. And, and I think there's more, if I remember correctly, I think there are more, um, like the ratio of females to males. I think there are oh, more yeah. females that, that don't complete. Is that correct? Or is it actually I, males? Yeah, it's the like the leaky pipeline thing. Um, basically, also like leaky academia. Leaky pipeline, is, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> so it's the idea that um, women, and it, it's... I'm sure that leaky pipeline was was uh, coined by a man, but the the idea that, <laughs> that uh, women are dropping out of the pipeline from um, sort of STEM education as a kid to becoming an academic and sort of member uh, a member of the sci- scientific community, and there's a lot of places where women drop out along the way. Okay, so it's not just at at the PhD stage; it's throughout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the, the problem with that is it implies um, that women are the issue and not like right. systemic barriers. Yeah. And so uh, like for engineers, you look at uh, how many women go into engineering and then you realize, geez, so many of them drop out yes. halfway through their degree. And it's not because they can't, you know, intellectually. It's not about it's the not, academic component. Yeah. It's more so it, the, the institutional environment or exactly. organizational it's it's, environment. Exactly. It's like engineering is, is extremely sexist. Yeah. Um, it's centered around like getting drunk and, you know, like just all these things that are, are not comfortable for, yes. for people who aren't like white dudes. Yes. Yeah. I find that too in medicine, actually. I find that it's very male, male dominant. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's go. But you know, one of the things, Simon, yeah. that, that, you know, going back to how I decided to use this phrase of mm-hmm. I can't be smart all the time. And I think because the experiences that I had where somebody would say, um, you should know all of these things, like A, B, and C, because you have a doctorate. And what I found is that the my experiences weren't necessarily related to 
something in my actual academic work. Like it wasn't like I made a mistake in my methods or in my data mm -hmm. analysis and therefore it's, you should know this because you have a PhD. Mm -hmm. No, it's been things that, um, and you know what, Simon, I actually have said this when we've said had, what? when we've had challenges, you know, setting up the podcast or like getting mm -hmm. my microphone to work. Do you remember when, when we would say things like we have a PhD, like we should be able to yeah. do this. Yeah, yeah. So I just realized, I just reflected on that, like just right now that I've even said it to my, to myself. So I'm feeding into this idea that. Yeah. I should be good at everything. I should be yeah. smart at everything and everything. If, if I, it's not so much if I work hard enough that it'll like, I will know it, but it's, it's this idea that I should just know it. Yeah. And it's yeah. not, and again, it's not related to my actual academic work where I would be the expert in that field. And this idea of being really highly critical of myself, like I, I, would feel that I failed. So when I would have someone tell me, yeah. like, you have a PhD, you should know this, I often felt like I had failed. So it was living in this, this state of perpetual failure. And that was a really hard mm -hmm. place for me to be in. Yeah, well, it, I, I think about this, uh, I used to think about this a fair bit, exactly the idea of, of perpetual, that's a really nice way to put it Dina perpetual but it is failure. but it is that hmm. it's like this constant and it's not just the perpetual failure of um you didn't know something that's outside of your field but you're constantly dealing with that even within your your research although exactly within your research the whole point that it's a research question is that we don't know enough about it and we have to yeah. figure we're, we're trying to figure things out yeah and and the the whole process of academia is hey I found this thing but here's a bunch of reasons why I'm probably wrong. I and remember so that you, there was like a, a comic, isn't it, that um, I didn't find something along the ways the, the the lines of I didn't find what works. I found a hundred things that didn't work. So something mm, along those lines. I remember yeah, seeing like a comic. Yeah, there's a famous quote for I think I want to say, ooh, now we're going into into the territory of I'm guessing. I don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> I, I don't. I like, don't think you can do that as an academic. As an, that's true. I mean, I am a PhD. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was Edison that said, like, I I didn't find a hundred ways that didn't work. I found one that did, like referring so, yes, to the light bulb yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I th I think that academics are taught to be very self-critical because that's just the way kind of the scientific process works but i'll i'm going to take an aggressive um sort of right turn I, there's a word that i'm i'm forgetting i'm going to go completely on a tangent a on the tangent yes <laughs> i'm going to take an ag aggressive tangent See, this here. is why simon I, we work well together <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. we understand we, one another we we average out. Um, <laughs> so I was listening to, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the monk debates uh, last week. It was I, about I political seen, correctness. I had seen a, a few tweets about it and, and mm -hmm. um, that there was, it was quite a controversial yeah, uh, yeah. debate. But yeah, it fill was, me in. Let's... Okay. So it was, it was basically about political, political correctness. Are we going too far? And at the end of the debate, the two parties were, or the two sides were talking about different things. And so obviously no consensus right. was achieved. 
But the thing that really stuck out, and I think that, and I, I, I think about this a lot, is do you know much about Jordan Peterson? Yes. And I, I'm sorry that we're, t- I feel like by talking about him, we're like giving know, him power. I and, I, from, and I feel- from what I understand is he was saying that, and this is just like one component of many things uh-huh. that he said, but that, it, you know, if men mate, then they yeah. won't go yeah. on a killing spree. And it was related like, to like the insult. Like whatever, what he's honestly, what he says is so uninteresting. I think, I think he's just like a generally uninteresting person. But the thing is that he was trained at McGill, okay. worked at Harvard and now he's a tenured prof at U of T. Wow. And I think that that's really, if we think about what he represents, he represents yes. kind of society looking at just some dude that has crazy ideas, Yes. but that academia has given him a certain status and a certain yeah. weight to his ideas. Yeah. That is like, I have crazy ideas. But that Simon, but Simon, like anything. when, even, even that though this individual has all these credentials, when you hear the things that he says yeah do you still put the same level of weight like so is it does it hold the same weight as someone who would say something that you align with that has the same credentials i mean i think at that point i i maybe there's a, a sense of disappointment that this person has this um, position or this level of authority and is yeah. then communicating this. And for the average person who may not critically appraise what is said, yeah. they can feed into this ideology. Ex- exactly. because it, it gives them kind of, if we go, go back to the theme of the episode of, of I can't be smart all the time, yeah. and what does having a PhD mean? Right. I think what it means is society perceives you as having a higher level of like intellectual rigor or authority. And so by having someone who is tenure track, so he can say anything he wants and he's, he's never gonna, like this guy cannot be fired. Um, and he's, you know, been to heart, he taught at Harvard and he was trained at McGill, like all yeah. these really sort of prestigious, institu- uh... exactly. Someone who is from outside kind of the realm of academia would say this guy is smart and he he everything he says has merit and then he would he would develop a following exactly because like he 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 aligns with uh, a group that there aren't many phds of his stature that um that say stuff that kind of resonate with with them and and like to go back to i can't be smart all the time and what does having a, a phd mean it means, I think, the real like if we're being real with what it means, I think it means that society thinks we're smart. Not necessarily right. that we are, right. but that society kind of thinks we are. Probably because when PhDs were invented, there like nobody went to school, yeah, and like people couldn't read or whatever, and so like it it actually meant something. But now it's just like you were able to work hard for a couple of years and then you got lucky a few times. Yeah. So. I don't feel like I got lucky. Do you feel like you got lucky? I definitely feel like I got lucky. How so? Uh, well, like uh, like we mentioned in previous episodes, uh, I met someone who referred me to 
the, his his old um no but i mean yeah i i know that yeah. that in terms of uh, meeting the right people but ultimately yeah. you had to do that work simon like i don't think that was luck i yeah i so i i worked hard i don't think i'm pre- I don't I honestly don't think I'm smarter than anybody else. I think I have um I'm driven okay. and I think I'm able to st- I have stick to it. Is that the word stick to itness? <laughs> or like so, um, I don't know what word. Yeah. Like you know, I'll I'll stick to something uh stubbornness. Determination. De- I'm de- I'm a determined individual. <laughs> yeah. Like I I took, I don't know if I told you this, but I, I took this first year psychology class a few years ago while I was doing my PhD. Okay. And I think I got like a B minus or maybe a C plus. Yeah. I'm not particularly smart. Um, and so. But that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean like if, if you complete coursework and in coursework you didn't, you know, you, you didn't achieve something high, like many of, of the innovators Right or people who end up having PhDs didn't necessarily yeah. have great grades. That's true. That's true. So yeah, I, yeah. But I think this I is. Think... I think this relates to like the inner critic. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I think the idea of how I felt like a failure all the time. Yeah. I don't think at that point, that stage, and again, I, I'm going to say that I just recently started using this phrase. Mm-hmm. Um because I wasn't managing my inner critic very well. I wasn't doing a good job. Right. And it would be like, hello, imposter syndrome. Yeah. And it would come up, like it would hit me at the worst times. Like I would be talking about something where, and I'm doing air quotes here, I'm the expert in youth mental illness and substance misuse. Mm -hmm. And I would have a killer presentation where it would reflect or be, and again, air quotes, representative of an expert or this academic in this field. Yeah. And then it would come to question period and I would just freeze or I'd be like blubbering in, in my, in my responses. And I have Uh this habit of not taking a moment to stop and think. And again, it's this idea that I should be this expert. Somebody asked me a question, like, bam, here's the answer. Yeah, yeah. That I wouldn't even allow myself or afford myself a moment to think. Uh-huh. Or even to say that I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, wouldn't, well, I wouldn't say that I don't know. I'd be like, well, I know this, this, and this. And maybe this feeds into this. You, you know, I think that it's, it's interesting. As you're saying this, I kind of, I'm putting myself in your shoes and, and seeing how I would deal with that. And I think that as a man, I have a lot more freedom saying, I don't know. Um, while for you, it's like, there's probably some weird internalized or maybe not so internalized thing where it's like, I need to prove that I belong at this table. I, th- I think you're completely right, Simon. Yeah. I think you're and, completely and- right. And especially because I, I found that... Um, in the field of psychiatry particularly, it's very male dominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm often the youngest person in the right. room and you, you want to prove that right. you know your stuff. You mm-hmm. don't want to have this idea of a fa- failure. So part of what I've done when it's things outside of my academic realm, like I still have challenges saying I don't know, I'm still working toward 
taking a moment to stop and think. And I know my, my mentor and my PhD would often try and coach me in that area. Yeah. Like, Dina, stop, think, then respond. You don't have to, like, shoot out this response super fast. Mm-hmm. It's not about speed. It's not about time. Yeah. And that's a hard thing for me to overcome. I still think that as an expert, I have to have the responses. Like, I, I should know this immediately. Yeah. Um, but I think it was it was like having this um, epiphany after reflecting on how I would feel after someone would tell me, like, you should know this, you have a PhD, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then not feeling good after and reflecting on why I'm not feeling good and, and what's right. what's that tied to. And so I think it's that I've accepted that I really can't be smart all the time and that I, that shouldn't be an expectation, that I shouldn't be smart yeah. all the time and in everything. And I found that saying, responding with, I can't be smart all the time. And I'll say it in a cheeky way, you yeah. know, when somebody will, will make a comment, it'll be like, oh, what? well, you know, I can't be smart all the time. And mm-hmm. I found that it's, it's been liberating. Right. And people accept that. It's almost like, oh yeah, maybe I have this expectation mm-hmm. of Dina that I really shouldn't have. Yeah, have you had this similar experience, Simon? Um, I've, I have some friends who we were, I don't know, we were, driving somewhere and i i said for me it's the actually opposite i think that i i come off as kind of like a, a silly a silly happy-go-lucky guy yeah and um i i almost need to to remind people that like i'm not dumb that you're <laughs> not dumb that, that i'm not dumb okay and, and, yeah and it's like i'm just because i i do all i get i get myself in these silly situations where yeah. Um, a smart, like a quote unquote smart person might not find themselves with I don't, just what, wherever but you I find even myself. See, but do you even see our conversation, Simon? Like, it's like, this isn't what a smart person would do. Yeah. It's like, but we're human. Yeah, that's true. We're human. That's true. That's true. At the end of the day, I think we're just human and we just gotta, I, I think we just gotta be kinder to ourselves and let go so. of external expectations. And I think if we're kinder to ourselves and have have boundaries on what we feel is appropriate and inappropriate in terms of like our mm-hmm. interactions, I think often people will follow or or f- stay within those boundaries. I mean, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm speaking generally, of course there are some people that won't that will cross boundaries all the time. But I think it's an internal boundary, but I've I've found it liberating. Um, yeah. to just be like, I can't, I can't be smart all the time, but I still have See, imposter the, syndrome when it comes to like my area of expertise. I think, I think what I've done to liberate myself from that, from what you have is I set the bar really, I start with that bar really low. Okay. And so I, whereas I think you come in with people expecting things from you, right? I come in with, with kind of being like that goofy dude that's just hanging out yeah. and then I surprise I like exceed their expectations um okay because, but I, I kind of like I, this yeah, but how and, would and, but how would you advise someone so let's say for me I've already built a network I've already built yeah. a community of people that know me yeah um not not saying well, that you don't have that but I mean like how would you teach me to do that so I've actually had uh, a conversation about exactly this with my partner who, and she got upset because I was like, I'm 
you know, I was telling her that I that's kind of the vibe I go for, kind yeah. of like the goofball, and then I, I like surprise, yeah. I'm decently smart, and she was like, she got so upset because she was like, you can do that as a woman of color, I can't like yeah. people like being a tall white guy. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's going to challenge my authority or question me, mm-hmm. but you couldn't do that. Right. Yeah. Because the second that you, you kind of let down your, not your guard, but the, the sort of act, let your, your true personality shine. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, Oh, Dina likes fashion. She couldn't be a real scientist. Oh, and you know, that was a big challenge for me. And my, my mentor was mm-hmm. always so adamant about letting people know, even in my candidacy exam. Yeah. Uh, or my defense, actually. It was my defense, my PhD defense. I had to start with an introduction about how I was a fashion designer before going into academia. Yeah. And, and yeah. that was scary. I, right. I, and I told him, I said, I, I, I'm not going to be credible. No one is going yeah. to believe anything I say after this related to medicine. And so if I think if I went with that, they'd go, wow, he's, he's so, so versatile. Dynamic. Yeah. So like, versatile. Wow, look it, at this. Exactly. Exactly. He's not only is he accomplished in fashion, but he also is a smart yeah. dude. So yeah, there's there's definitely mm-hmm. that uh, that double standard at play, and we could we could go into that topic, and I hope we will. Yeah, I think it's yeah, an interesting I think it would topic. be I think it would be a good topic to explore further. Yeah. All right. So, is there anything you want to to add about um, not not being able to be smart all the time? I think, you know, for our listeners, I think just yeah. just know that it's okay not to be smart in everything. That shouldn't be an expectation. Mm-hmm. And give my phrase a try. And let me know the reactions of others. I mean, for my mentors and colleagues, when I say this, they laugh. And whatever they were criticizing me for just goes away. So yeah. I'd, be, I'd be interested to hear if, if some of our listeners try out saying, I can't be smart all the time. Yeah. Um, how about you try it, Simon, and let me know how that works for I you. I can't be smart. People, I don't think a lot of people expect me to be smart all the time, to be honest. <laughs> um, well, I w- and I would issue the challenge for if there's any new uh, new scientists listening to this. Yes. Especially women, and this is like obviously it's easy for me to say because I I have all this privilege, but I would challenge them to. See, I, I feel bad even suggesting this because it's it's like it's so easy for me to say. Yeah. But I I I'm curious. I would be curious to know how for a woman who is going through the process of of getting her PhD, how it would be like if she was like just kind of uh, not a, a dudette, just like kind so of being have- si- being silly, being herself, and as well having a PhD. How that would work, kind of using the the male approach right the the approach that i have can can women do that and if so like not having to and and how others would then react to them like so yeah yeah like so that they they don't need to make excuses about i can't be smart all the time so that the expectation is set that they're just not smart all the time because i think that's kind of the the expectations that are set for me okay so yeah that'd be interesting yeah, and I hope I hope that in the future, kind of everybody can just not be smart all the time, and it's it's not expected of them. Yeah, we'll see what happens, Simon. <laughs> exactly, we'll check in next week, see if the world has changed, and uh, if, we, <laughs> if we've made a positive impact. 
So that was um, our episode today. And next week, or in, in two weeks, we are going to talk about weaponized knowledge. Ooh. Ooh. That sounds so interesting. This is, so this sounds like a policy, yeah. policy piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, this is going to be a pretty heavy policy piece. It's going to talk about innovation. Um, and innovation is interesting because it's like a buzzword that you see um, kind of everywhere. Where everyone's in- saying innovation. Everybody's saying it. Even but me. It act- Ooh, <laughs> but it even has it, it has a very specific definition. And um, well, uh, spoiler for for in two weeks, Canada is not doing too well. Okay. And uh, and yeah, there's a lot of really interesting stuff to unpack, especially in in uh, in research. So is this going to be like a teach? Dina segment? It it will. It oh. will be a Teach Dina segment. I, I'm excited for this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was our episode. I I hope you I had a, a great time talking talking about this. Felt really good sharing this with you, Simon. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really hope like people listening to this, um add us on we're I, I'm most active on Twitter. I think So you am I. I only well. I only have Twitter in terms of social media. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd I wonder who's listening to this and just what do you think about about this idea of PhDs and kind of what it what does what does having a PhD mean to you? Are you are you just a, a chill dudette and how's that working out for you? Yeah. Do people expect things of you? What's what's your experience? Yeah. Yeah. So we'd like so, to hear from you. You guys can tweet us at D Y E S underscore D- podcast. Dina, I'm gonna stop you right there. You said you guys. Oh, and you're right. You're that, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's you all. You, you folks. all, distinguished guests, distinguished yeah, yeah. listeners. It's my little crusade. Yeah, so I like this, Simon. You, thank but... you, thank you mm-hmm. for for keeping it real. <laughs> um, so, okay, you can you can uh, you can start again if you want. Distinguished listeners, <laughs> tweet us at dyes underscore podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and if you like this, you can leave us a nice review on iTunes. And we're open to your yeah. feedback, too. If there's a certain topic that you'd like us to explore, uh, we're happy to do so. We're listening. Everybody who's, who uh, talks to us will listen. So. Excellent. Until next time, Simon. Until next time, Dina. Dina.